Now to the King eternal, to the immortal, invisible, only God, be glory and honor forever and ever. Amen. The Word of God for our meditation this morning comes from Isaiah chapter 51, verses 1 through 6. Listen to me, you who pursue righteousness, you who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were hewn, and to the quarry from which you were dug. Look to Abraham, your father, and to Sarah, who bore you. For he was but one when I called him, that I might bless him and multiply him. For the Lord comforts Zion. He comforts all her waste places and makes her wilderness like Eden, her desert like the garden of the Lord. Joy and gladness will be found in her, thanksgiving and the voice of song. Give attention to me, my people, and give ear to me, my nation. For a law will go out from me, and I will set my justice for a light to the peoples. My righteousness draws near. My salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. Lift up your eyes to the heavens, and look at the earth beneath. For the heavens vanish like smoke, the earth will wear out like a garment, and they who dwell in it will die in like manner. But my salvation will be forever, and my righteousness will never be dismayed. Thus far, God's holy word. In the name of Christ, by whose death and resurrection we are brought to spiritual life, dear fellow redeemed. What is something that brings you the most comfort? It might be different for each, each one of you. For a child, it might be their favorite stuffed animal or their blanket. For adults, it might be your spouse or your best friend. There are any number of things that can bring us comfort, but it often seems like there are two that stand out above the rest. Home and control. Home is where you build your life. You make many memories. And where we get the cliches, like there's no place like home. A familiar and happy home is one that you dread leaving and one that you enjoy returning to because it can give you that comfort unlike anything else. Do you like having control? Not necessarily controlling every little thing that has to happen, but knowing what will happen is going to go according to plan. It is a great comfort when you don't have to deal with unexpected alterations to your plans. You have control. Now what if I told you that there would come a time where you will not have comfort? Much less the comfort that home brings, nor will you have control over your circumstances. How would that make you feel? Pretty frightening, and not something that any one of us would like to go through. Well, that is exactly the situation that the people of Judah found themselves in during Isaiah's ministry. Isaiah lived approximately 200 years before the Babylonian captivity. 
For 200 years, the words of the Lord's judgment on Judah would hang over their heads. Isaiah wrote regarding Jerusalem in chapter 3, In that day the Lord will take away the finery of the anklets, the headbands and the crescents, the pendants, the bracelets, and the scarves, the headdresses, the armlets, the sashes, the perfume boxes, and the amulets, the signet rings and the nose rings, the festal robes, the mantles, the cloaks, and the handbags, the mirrors, the linen garments, the turbans, and the veils. Instead of perfume, there will be rottenness, and instead of a belt, a rope, and instead of well-set hair, baldness, and instead of a rich robe, a skirt of sackcloth, and branding instead of beauty. Your men shall fall by the sword, and your mighty men in battle, and her gates shall lament and mourn. Empty she shall sit on the ground. Isaiah prophesied that each one of their comforts and luxuries would be taken away from them and replaced by poverty and emptiness. The very pride of Jerusalem would be stripped from them. They will be captives of another nation, never to regain the political power that they once had. No comfort and no control because the Lord's judgment over their disobedience had fallen upon them. That is what caused their desperate situation. They were given the path of righteousness to walk, but instead of following what the Lord said, they pursued the wayward paths of their flesh. Everything that they held most dear, their precious, beautiful temple, the great walls of Jerusalem, their homeland would all be taken away because they departed from their Lord and served their sinful flesh. How many times have you found yourself in a similar situation? How often are you walking down the path of righteousness only to detour off the path to pursue something that suits the fancy of your flesh? It happens to each of us more than we would like to admit. Even the, the Apostle Paul admitted, the good that I wish to do, I do not do. And the evil that I do not wish to do, that I do. Satan has mastered the art of temptation. He knows exactly what to dangle in front of your nose to get you and me to wander. He gets us to depart from the path of righteousness. And slowly, but surely, He wants us to forsake God entirely. He wants us to be like the people of Judah, whose sins brought the judgment of the Lord upon them. And in fact, that is what our sins deserve. Without the Lord's grace and mercy, we are like the people of Judah, who would be comfortless, full of despair and desperate because our sins had driven us far away from the path of righteousness. And like the people of Judah, the Lord has given us His law as a warning of what will come to pass if we continue in our sin. But that is not the only purpose the Lord uses His word for. Yes, he uses it as 
for a warning to condemn us of our sin and to call us back to Him in repentance. But He also uses it to set up a word of comfort for His people. Isaiah uses a literary concept called prophetic perfect. This means that he prophesies about something that will happen in the future. But he writes it in the past tense, as if it has already happened. He says in verse 5, My righteousness draws near, my salvation has gone out, and my arms will judge the peoples. The coastlands hope for me, and for my arm they wait. The Lord reminds those who remain faithful to Him in the land of Judah and to you and me today to trust in the Lord because His comfort is coming. For the people of Judah, it would be the rise to power of King Cyrus of the Medes and Persians. Cyrus would be the one who would overthrow the Babylonians, release the Lord's people from captivity, and send them back to their homeland. And even further down the timeline, it points to the Messiah who would come from the line of Judah. Jesus is the very righteousness of God. His salvation, He is the salvation that went into the world in order to redeem the world. Jesus' mission was to walk the path of righteousness that we so often stranded from. He would keep God's law perfectly, where we and the people of Judah would throw it to the side for the sake of whatever sinful vice came before us. He became true righteousness in our place. And even more than that, He remained on that path of righteousness even though it led Him to death on the cross. And He knew to, He did that in order to become salvation for the Jews, for you, for me, and for the whole world. By becoming true righteousness and walking that path of righteousness, Jesus satisfied God's requirement for perfection. By becoming salvation for us, Jesus satisfied God's punishment that our sins created. He took upon himself what he did not deserve in the slightest in order that the faithful remnant of Judah you sitting here today and all who call upon Him in faith could receive what we do not deserve, God's mercy. This was the ultimate comfort that God gave to His people going into captivity. This is how He gave comfort to Zion. Except for the people in captivity, this will not happen for another 500 years. And yet, God declares that Jesus is their righteousness and their salvation as if He has already accomplished it in the days of Isaiah. That is how sure God's promises are and how great His comfort is. God did not just tell 
those faithful to him, just trust me. He gives them proof. He points out to them his track record. Their very existence as a people, as a nation, is a miracle. Abraham was like a rock from which could come no life. He was 100 years old. Impossible to have a child before the Lord blessed him with Isaac. Sarah was like an empty quarry. She was barren, unable to birth a nation. And yet God brought it to pass because here they are, the seed of Abraham, generations down the road, a living testimony to the fulfillment of God's promises. And he does the same thing for you. You are a living, walking miracle of God because you too were like a helpless rock and God made you to be a part of his nation. You are a living, breathing miracle of God and the evidence that he kept his promise to be your savior from sin. And because God kept that promise, he will also keep his promise to bring you comfort in times of distress, despair, or whatever status in life you find yourself in. In fact, you can consider that promise of God as if it has already been fulfilled. In your Savior, God's comfort has come. He has delivered you from your captivity to sin. He has set you on the path of righteousness, and he continues to call you back to it in repentance when you wander. God's comfort, yes, his plan to bring you to heaven, can already be thought of as accomplished here and now. Though we must wander this wasteland of a world for a time, even as he delivered Judah from captivity, even as he sent Jesus to die for your sins and mine, so also will God deliver you from this veil of tears to the land of ultimate comfort and peace in heaven with him. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen. Please rest. The peace of the Lord which surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.